Support for this podcast comes from Glassdoor. Today, job seekers are doing their research before applying for jobs, and they're doing it on Glassdoor. Glassdoor is the trusted and transparent place where 34 million engaged job seekers are going to research potential employers, and where smart organisations of all sizes are going to recruit the best and brightest talent. Ready to get started on Glassdoor? To unlock your free employer account, simply go to www.glassdoor.com slash employers. That's www.glassdoor.com slash employers and fill in the free account form. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 87 of the Recruiting Future podcast. This week, something a bit different. One of my favourite industry podcasts is Hiring on All Cylinders, produced by the very lovely people at Intello. In the interests of friendly podcast cooperation, this week we're doing a podcast exchange. If you go over to hiringonallcylinders.com or search for it on iTunes, you'll find an interview with me where I'm talking about the new book and also the things I've learned from interviewing all of my wonderful podcast guests. On this show this week... I'm talking to Jill Whitty, who's VP of Talent and Operations at Intello. To be clear, this isn't a sales pitch for Intello. Jill has some fascinating insights into a number of key areas of talent acquisition, including diversity and culture. I know it's an interview you're going to enjoy. Hi, Jill, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. I'm glad to be here. So could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Jill Whitty, and I'm the Vice President of Talent and Operations at a company called Intello. Um, Intello is a recruiting software platform. We're a bit of a startup. We're about five years old, uh, based in San Francisco. And we help companies um, use sort of data, predictive analytics, and machine learning to improve their recruiting processes. So um, five years old startup, how many people do you have and what kind of recruitment challenges do you face? Yeah, so we're at about 120 employees. Um, When I joined, we were seven. So uh, I've gotten to witness and uh, play a role in a lot of that growth, which has been a lot of fun. Um, And some of our recruiting challenges, you know, um, in the Bay Area, it is a very tough market especially for some of the most in-demand roles, the, you know, the senior engineers, the data scientists, the data engineers, um, you know, there's a, a huge amount of demand because there are so many tech companies um, concentrated in this small area. And a lot of us don't have the resources of some of the bigger companies can't be looking to import our talent from, from outside. So we're all fighting over a very narrow pool of candidates for some of these roles. So that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, another challenge that we that we face and that we actually help our customers try to solve is um, diversifying their talent pool and their employee base. Uh, and this goes hand in hand with being a tech company. You know, there's a bit of a a lag um, between 
the roles that we need to fill and a, a diverse talent pool um, to fill those roles. So we help companies and we, we also, you know, focus this internally on hiring outside of, you know, outside of the dominant majority, both in terms of gender, uh, ethnic background, and then even, you know, beyond that, a diversity of thought and, and socioeconomic background and all sorts of other metrics of diversity. So, I mean, two very interesting challenges there. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd kind of like to talk about both of them in a bit more detail, I think. Um, and obviously, you know, no pressure because being a recruiting <laughs> software innovation in, in, in an innovation company, I'm interested to uh, kind of hear what your hear what your answers are. So um, with this, with the sort of hard to find um, um, the hard to find people and the and, and the competition, um what kind of innovation are you using in your sourcing and your in your recruiting to, to uh, overcome that problem? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of, um, I mean, the history of recruiting is is a history of sort of being unfortunately very inefficient relative to a lot of other areas. I think recruiting has tended to lag in terms of innovation with with software and with uh, really using analysis on our data to drive our decision making. And it's not always recruiting's fault. It's it's often just that the people who make software haven't paid much attention to this area. So it's nice to see that software is finally catching up a little bit and helping us be more efficient, uh, be more targeted in our outreach, um, get to know our candidates better. All of the things that we know make us better as recruiters, we finally have some software to help us with that. Um, so obviously there's our own IntelliSoftware, but I'm not here to pitch that. Um, but that certainly does help make us more innovative. But even things like um, going out and thinking of creative strategies to be to be engaging with candidates um, outside of you know just posting on job boards or waiting for the applicants to file in. So that could be anything from building meaningful meaningful partnerships with uh, organizations in your community where you think that talent might be growing and developing. So that could be coding schools, that could be. Um, colleges that maybe are not traditionally reached out to, um, you know, here in the Bay Area, it's obviously very well known that you could go to Stanford or UC Berkeley to get fantastic technical talent. But what about trying to recruit from um, some of the community colleges in the area and building relationships there? A lot of them are doing great work around building programs specific to developing software engineers. Um, but a lot of companies overlook those because they don't have that same high profile. So there's things like that, um, you know, and then on the software front, I think a lot of recruiters have sort of grown up through using LinkedIn and we really encourage people to step outside of LinkedIn to think about where else on the web could you be sourcing? Um, you know, especially in, in technical talent, a lot of it is not even on LinkedIn. Uh, and those, those that are on LinkedIn are tired of getting hit up by, you know, literally hundreds of recruiters over the course of a week. Um, they ignore their in-mails. They probably never even log into LinkedIn. So we encourage people to really get to know the, the candidates where they hang out online. And it's not LinkedIn. It might be if you're an open, you know, if you're an open source coder, you're going to be on GitHub. So get to know, you know, the communities on GitHub and, and, and understand people's projects and people's passions that they're working on so that you can engage with them in an authentic way. And that's going to serve you uh, much better as a recruiter. In terms of the um, amount of competition 
that that you have in in that in that geography for these technical roles once you've sort of found these people and 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 built this initial relationship with them based on you know finding out about what they're what they're interested in how how do you make yourselves stand out what's the what's the kind of the brand or the sell for for your organization that that kind of gets people over the line um sure so you know i think uh so much about what's going to be compelling in an opportunity is what is the culture of the company and is it a place where i you know whatever my requirements are does it speak to me um so for our for our company and and for our technical team part of the fabric and really the most important part of our culture is the collaborative nature of the way they work which is not true of all technical teams but our engineers really rely on pairing to um, you know, to to program together, but also to do code review and um, you know testing before shipping. All of that is done uh, through teamwork, and so you know we we build that into our interview process as well. And we don't make it a theoretical interview process where we're having you whiteboard you know some sort of algorithmic challenge. But instead, all of our all of our technical exercises in the interview process are paired coding. Um, challenges where you're meant to rely on the person already working at this company to ask them questions, to lean on them for help and support, and not to sort of go at it solo. And that's just a reflection of the culture. Um, so that would be one thing that sort of makes us stand out is, um, you know, that importance on collaboration. Um, another that I think is different from a lot of the companies in the area is our, <clears throat> our true emphasis on work-life balance and how that can speak to people who have families or who have um, unusual needs around their hours or, you know, outside obligations that would keep them away from work during, you know, during the usual eight to 10 hour day that they might be expected to be here. And uh, we're very open about that. You know, a lot of the people on our exec team have families and have the so-called second shift they have to get home to. And so while it's true that we are a startup and we're fast growth, we're also very respectful of people's need to find balance in their lives outside of their work. You mentioned also that one of your challenges was um, looking for diversity, you know, diversity of thought um, and, and, and really sort of, um, I suppose, considering, you know, biases and things like that in, in, in recruitment processes. Um, how have you gone about sort of dealing with that particular challenge? Yeah, so diversity is um, it's such an interesting uh, nut to crack because a lot of companies come to us with this question of, okay, we, we want to do better with diversity. And maybe they're looking at their, their numbers just from a breakdown and they say, okay, we're X percent male and and Y percent female. And then we have this many, you know, white versus Asian versus other underrepresented minorities. And we want to, you know, have a better balance and better mix there, which is great. And that's definitely, I mean, that, that is, that is definitely step number one to be looking at your current metrics and say, where do we want to improve? Um, but a lot of a lot of companies, you know, their their first thought is, okay, well, how do we how do we get more diverse candidates in the door? So it has to start with hiring. But unless you have an inclusive culture to begin with, then you're going to find that hiring does not help because the people you hire will be likely to attrit. And so you'll just have a turnstile where you're hiring new people in, but those same people because they don't feel included or because um, the way the organization um, runs does not support their needs. It's just going to 
find them, you know, leaving in six months or one year. So it, it has to be a, it has to be a dual effort between the hiring and finding and, and bringing in that diverse talent and then the culture of the company and the way that that's manifested through, you know, people ops or HR and also through leadership to actually retain and um, build and develop um, the diverse employees. Um, but, in, you know, in terms of in terms of step one on the recruiting side, it has to start with having a top of the funnel that is very representative of the the populations you're trying to recruit from. And it sounds very logical, but a lot of companies will say, gosh, why aren't we, you know, why aren't we getting more women in the door? Why, why don't we see more um, Hispanics or African-Americans or whatever your particular challenge is? And then you look at where they're sourcing and how they're sourcing. And they might only be, they not even know it, but they're only reaching out to, you know, white men for their senior software engineering roles. So you can only do but so much if you're not sourcing from diverse, uh, from diverse pools. Um, and there's a number of ways you can do that. And, you know, we can get into that too, if you'd like, but it, it has to start at the top of the funnel. And then once you're being very, um, you know, once you're casting a, a wide net at the top of the funnel, you also then have to make sure that everything about your hiring process uh, minimizes the effect of bias so that you're not accidentally uh, letting people go at, at a certain stage of the funnel because of something in your process that's keeping them out. I think that's really interesting. And I, I definitely would sort of like to know more about the, the, the top, of the, top of the funnel stuff. What are you doing to um, actually reach out to those specific audiences? Yeah. So at the top of the funnel, um, it, part of it can be as straightforward as identifying okay, what do we need? So let's just give the very basic example of we have, you know, we have an underrepresentation of females on our engineering team. So, okay, we know we want more women on our engineering team. Great. Where can we find these women? How can we identify them? How can we build relationships with them? So where can we find them? It could be, you can start by using tools such as IntelliDiversity, but there are others out there where you know, in addition to filling out your search criteria for what you're looking for, your your coding languages, or maybe there are certain you know schools you're interested in or geographies, uh, you can actually say female, and your results are going to be um, people who you know algorithmically our software has determined are likely to identify as female. So that's that's a, a very basic first pass, is something like that. Uh, but additionally, you know, going to uh, meetups for women who code and um, pie ladies and women who go, things like that, you're going to meet all of these women who this is what they do. This is their passion or their, their you know, either their job or their hobby um, is, this, is this programming. Um, you know, going to being open to university recruiting because we know that um, when people say there's a pipeline problem, it's not actually true. There are plenty of women graduating from universities with CS degrees. Uh, but what's happening is they're not being, you know, they're not being brought into a culture and, and developed, uh, at the same rate that the, the men are. So being open to hiring junior engineers, either, you know, straight out of university or, or out of boot camp, and you'll find plenty of women there who are, you know, are eager to come and, and tackle the problems that your company is trying to solve. Um, so those are just some of the ways that I would think about looking for female engineers um, and not just, not just sitting there and, you know, searching endlessly on LinkedIn and hoping that a woman turns up. 
you've mentioned culture um a few times as we've been um as we've been talking um how I- important is it for you to find people who who fit into your culture how 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 does that sort of shape your um your recruiting strategy uh so for us it's very important um and i do want to make a distinction because you said to fit into our culture and and for us it's um, it's less about fitting into the culture. Um, what I want is a candidate who fits with our values, which for me is very distinctive from our culture. So, um, if they're not a values fit, then we probably don't want them at Intello. You know, some of our values are, we believe that great people are the foundation of great companies. And so everything we do every day is to, is in service of that belief. Um, we want our employees to be what we call legit. And for us, that means, uh, talented, passionate, gritty, authentic, um, you know, resourceful. So these are some of the things where absolutely, if a candidate does not meet these qualities or not espouse these values, we're not going to hire them because for us, that's as important, if not more important than the skill set um, and the, you know, the acuities and the, um, all the strengths that that candidate brings in terms of his or her um, actual role that they're going to come into. Um, but on the culture side, what we are looking for is what we like to think of as culture ad, because we believe that the company is the reflection, the culture of the company is what every single person brings to it. And so we think, well, what are you bringing that's new that we don't already have represented? So this goes back a little bit to the diversity. We don't want to hire, you know, a hundred people that look just like me or just like our CEO. And by look, I mean, have the same backgrounds, you know, either we all went to the same college or uh, we you know, were raised in the same kinds of communities. We don't want that. We want something new with each new hire because that's going to make us stronger as a company. It's going to make our business outcomes better. And frankly, it just it makes it a better place to work. You know, it's more enjoyable to um, have an environment that is rich and diverse uh, with lots of different backgrounds and perspectives. So we always look for culture ad instead of culture fit. So sort of final question, where, um, where does this all go next? What's on, your, what's on your radar for sort of the next um, 12 to 18 months? Are there sort of particular things you'll be focusing on or, or new technologies that you're looking at? What's, the, what's, the, what's, the, what's next for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about where some of our product is going. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, artificial intelligence and how that's going to impact the world of recruiting and our, uh, our next product, which is, is currently in beta, um, but has not been publicly launched is an AI based product. And I don't want to talk too much about it, but what I, what I can say is when you think about the processes in recruiting, where currently humans are not really adding a ton of value. Um, meaning if we were to find a way to be able to automate that process by computers, we know that the computers could do it as well, if not better than the humans. Um, that's where AI is going to take over. And it's a good thing because then it makes us all more efficient and it makes it enables recruiters to be able to spend their time doing the things where they really do add value, building the relationships with candidates, um, you know, being able to describe the company culture and paint the beautiful picture of exactly what the role is going to look like and why you would want to work for that hiring manager, um, getting them bought into everything about that company and, and the role. You know, that's where recruiters can really make a difference. 
And frankly, it's why most people go into recruiting. They're passionate about the human side. They're not passionate necessarily about scheduling or sourcing um, and some of these processes that, if you really think about it, computers will be able to handle uh, and sooner than we all think. So I'm really excited about that because, you know, the more we can automate the sort of tedium or um, the work where we're not, you know, personally contributing something new, uh, the better it is for all of us. Jill, thank you very much for talking to me. It was my pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Jill Whitty and the team at Intello. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, on Stitcher, or download the show app on your smartphone. Just search for Recruiting Future in your app store. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.